Hello and welcome to Technology and the Arts, a podcast exploring the connections between technology and art. Episode 68 of the podcast features lightly edited audio from a live Google Plus Hangout on Air, conducted October 7, 2013. In this installment, we discuss the use of giant tablets on the new Fox News set, the fallout from a questionable tweet by Joyce Evans of Philadelphia's Fox 29 News, Nielsen's plan to measure Twitter traffic for TV shows, and Rhode Island School of Design's STEM to STEAM initiative to include art and design in the traditional STEM curriculum. All that and more is just ahead on Technology and the Arts for Friday, October 11, 2013. Now here are your hosts, Brian Kelly and John Lamazny. Hello and welcome to another episode of Technology and the Arts. My name is Brian Kelly. And I'm John Lamesti. And together we'll be exploring the connections between technology and art. John, it's good to see you again. How are you doing? How are you, Brian? I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. What you been up to lately? Uh, well, there's a couple things going on this week. Uh, specifically, I just got done with a class at Princeton Public Library, uh, like almost every week, luckily. It's a great relationship that uh, I have with them. And the class tonight was on food blogging, and we talked about um, the kinds of focus uh, on topics that you can make and the kinds of things that make a great post about food and the importance of visuals like photography and graphics and uh, the different ways that you can explore food as a as a uh, content topic. And I think the most fun was when I introduced these people in the class tonight to uh, Epic Mealtime. You know, they, for whatever reason, had not seen it. Are you, are you familiar with Epic Mealtime? Mm, nope. Really? You should do a search, a YouTube search on Epic Mealtime and, like, watch fast food lasagna. And uh, you'll be surprised. They, they go to some extremes in the way that they uh, revere food. And so I was trying to give them an example of, you know, how that is a different message about food than when I used to have a beer blog to when um, people just do food photography or foodography. Uh, as opposed to if you're just posting on Yelp or you're posting on uh, um, food spotting, right? So it was a great conversation. Later this week at Princeton Public Library, I will be uh, leading a three-week class on Code Academy, the uh, fantastic code MOOC um, that is free. And uh, the thing I really love about the site, I think we've talked about it here, the thing I love about the site is that it has examples and questions and lessons and paths that you can take in order to learn all kinds of different uh, coding platforms like JavaScript and PHP. But <clears throat> on every page, essentially, every page has a lesson that you have to complete and if you don't complete it to the algorithm's satisfaction, you can't move forward. So if somebody shows me their Code Academy uh, badges, there's gamification as a part of the system. If somebody shows me their 
uh, Code Academy badges, I know that they actually earned them because they wouldn't have been able to just, you know, sort of work their way into getting those badges any other way than interpreting and correctly answering the question on each lesson's page. Cool. So anyway, I'm going to introduce people starting this week, and it'll go on for the following two weeks on Wednesday night. How about you? Well, <laughs> some personal uh, news. It just, And I'm only going to share this just in case if uh, suddenly if I'm talking and I appear to be shot, uh, it's because I am in I am in need of a root canal. Uh, I've had those. Uh, there is a uh, there's a tooth in my upper right uh, side of my mouth, uh, and it's uh, it's a little better now. Uh, you know, I've been taking painkiller and uh, some Advil, uh, and I have an antibiotic that was prescribed to prevent further infection and prevent an abscess, uh, abscess tooth, um, and a little bit of gel here and there. But uh, it, it's it's feeling a, a lot better than it did last week, because last week, if I just grazed it, it was this intense pain, some of the most intense pain I've ever felt in my life. It was, it was awful. So uh, it, that shouldn't happen while we're on the air, but if it does, that's the explanation. Uh, and that's... But that's not going to happen until the 17th, so I have a little ways to go. Uh, the other downside is that I'm kind of reluctant to go running and, and continue my training for the, the Trenton 10K uh, because, you know, if I'm bouncing up and down running, you know, I, I don't want to hit uh, that tooth. So, yeah, so I'm a little reluctant to run because of that issue. But I, I, you know, I don't want to wait till the 17th uh, in order to, you know, start running again. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna possibly try it this week. Maybe just do some 5Ks and not, you know, go all out with the 10K. But um, yeah, so it's kind of uh, messing me up a little bit. Uh, also, with uh, all my talk lately about Yoko Ono, since I played accordion on my friend Christian Beach's version of her song Silver Horse. Uh, for an upcoming tribute album, uh, I want to point out something I just learned today. If you look at Billboard's current chart listing the top dance slash club play songs, well, guess who you will find at the top? Well, not Miley Cyrus, not Katy Perry, not Lady Gaga, and not Britney Spears. Holding number one on the dance club play songs chart right now is 80-year-old Yoko Ono. Wow. With an updated remix of her 1981 hit, Walking on Thin Ice. Is this from the same collection that you're a part of? Uh, no. Uh, it, this She uh, she worked with some uh, DJs, uh, some you know, remix you know, experts, and put out a, a, an album of remixes of the song. Uh, she did it in 2003, I believe, and now here's like a, 10 years later. She has another one out, and it's um, it was actually a number one dance hit back in the day, back in 1981 when it came out. And the you know the the interesting thing about the song is that it was recorded on December 8th, 1980. The last thing John Lennon ever recorded is the lead guitar part on this song. Uh, and he actually there's a uh, later remixes of it uh, included a sound bite of him and the studio that night saying, 
um, something like, uh, I think you've just recorded your first number one, Yoko. And, uh, you know, and then going home from the studio was when uh, he was attacked by Mark David Chapman and, and killed. So, and the single came out a few weeks later um, in January of 1981. But this remix is currently number one on the on the dance club charts. Uh, uh, Billboard, and, and I think it it it's a testament to her, and maybe speaks volumes as to what John saw in her. I mean, all the criticism, all the all the accusations, uh, all the tragedy that she has had to endure over the years, and she is still going strong. And I think that's I think that's a real testament to her so uh and finally uh, you know this is the penultimate ep episode of uh the fall 2013 series of uh, technology in the arts as mentioned previously we briefly talked about perhaps having a spring season i don't know how that's going to work out if we do it but um it was and I, john i haven't even talked to you about this but you know recently i was going through some emails i was cleaning out so i updated to ios 7 and I couldn't figure out how to get the, like in, in my old iPhone, in the old iOS, uh, it would just tell me new messages. But I have like thousands of unread messages in my Gmail accounts and, and a couple of them. And I just always looked at the new messages. Well, this tells you iOS 7 shows all of the unread messages. And so I finally decided to go through all my gmail messages and and mark those red and, and and that required to go through them a little bit and it brought me back to 2008 when we were kind of winding down our original podcast and there were some people who reached out to us and we had like some brief interactions and you know it was something that we could have explored but since we were kind of in the shutdown process you know we never really got back to them and um we never got back around to them. And uh, I, I actually did some quick research, and, you know, some of them are still in positions that would be of interest to us. So maybe, you know, now that I have those leads and some other leads that we've discussed on the show, uh, maybe I can try to uh, or we can try to, uh, you know, get some interviews lined up for the spring, Fantastic. even if we even if we can them. So, uh yeah, so if we can uh, work that out, you know, that'd be great. But that's all I have. Uh, John, what would you like to talk about in focus this week? The only thing that comes to mind is the uh, new set uh, on Fox News. I said CNN in the show notes, but, of course, I meant Fox News. Yes. Uh, you I know what that. I'm talking about? Yeah. And uh, I'm a little surprised that it hasn't happened sooner, but it, it didn't have to be so weird. Like, they yeah. could have... They, they could have had, like, one or two and had it just be sort of a n notable thing on set. But instead, they have it, like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't even know exactly why they're uh, – I don't know. Hold on. We have to – hold on. Uh, we have to be able to get uh, uh, giant tablets. Hold on. We've got to be able to get a picture up here. Um, but yeah, continue talking about them. Well, while you do that, I'm going to find a picture that, uh, says that I predicted this. Okay. Hold on for a second. 
All right, so let me uh, do a screen share here. So this is what John is talking about. The new Fox News deck, they call it, is basically looks like the Enterprise, but everybody is working on these giant iPad-like tablets, which are actually, uh, I believe, they're Surface devices. From oh, what yeah, I, probably. Because, I mean, here you see it looks like tiles here um, and, and even uh, here. So... Uh, but it's odd that they made them look like iPads, you know? It's kind yeah. of, you know, it, it, again, it's, you know, Fox News playing with the facts. You know, they want to look cool and have the iPad look, but they went with the, you know, the conservative uh, Microsoft product. But, um, yeah, it, and it's kind of weird. I mean, this guy looks like he's checking out uh, football standings, uh, you know, who – is this person updating a Facebook status? Uh, you know, it's kind of, why are they facing towards the viewer? Uh, you know, uh, to me, this just like, this is asking for trouble. And the other thing is, they're not, they're just looking at one screen each. Like, nobody's looking at multiple displays on the one display. Like, it's not like they're they're multitasking. They're looking, they're doing one thing. So what is the point of having these huge screens? Oh, you know, it's, it, obviously it's it's a visual a visual uh, it's a set piece. It, it doesn't even matter what they're doing. It just matters that they have these things that they're doing it on. You know. Oh, I so, remember the huge the huge easel computing. Yes, I remember yeah. this. So in uh, in November of 2012. I predicted that uh, the next size of computers, you know, these portable computers like tablets, would not go smaller but would go larger, right? Because we already right. have, you know, 4-inch, 5-inch, 7-inch, 10-inch. Why not like a 36 or a 48-inch computer to sort of, uh, you know, change that paradigm again? And think about all the all the power and battery life that something like that would have. Right, but how are you going to carry that around? It's not meant to be carried around like you would carry around a laptop. It's meant to be carried around in the home. So you would sort of take your work with you to the couch and take your work with you to the, you know, maybe out on the deck. And it would have like a stand that you could like drop it into. I.e. an easel. Right, right, right. <laughs> easel computer. So... But the idea was that, you know, for artists or for, you know, imagine the keyboards you could have on this too. Like the virtual keyboards, you could have like a, like a, um, like the Microsoft wraparound keyboard where your fingers like turn in, mm -hmm. you know, or you could have like gaming. Imagine what you could do with gaming, like all the little tiny things that you could have going on on the screen and be able to use, you know, multiple touch in order to sort of play with that interface. And, I mean, quite honestly, Wacom already does this, but they don't have theirs disconnected from a stand and all that. Like, it's not self-contained. I'm not sure why Wacom has not made this yet. 
Well, somebody made it for Fox News. Right. Yeah, I, I, I saw it today, and I was like, what? <laughs> that, that is just, uh, it's very weird how they have it set up there. Agreed. So how about you, Brian? What do you uh, want to I, talk about in depth? Yeah, you know, I didn't focus. want to talk about a lot because I, I was I was hoping to to uh, prevent uh, myself from uh, talking too much with my current dental situation. But uh, I, things came up in the last 24, 48 hours that I, I needed to talk about. And the first thing is um, it, it kind of blew up on Twitter last night. Uh, Joyce Evans is a, a news anchor for uh, Fox 29, Philadelphia, more Fox uh, you know, insanity. Uh, and last night she, she tweeted from her, uh, account at Joy Sevens Fox 29 thought breaking bad was hot last Sunday at Fox 29 Philly. See who's breaking bad in Southwest Philly, leaving six people shot tonight at 10. Wow. And, and it made gawker too. I mean, this is how bad it got. Now, here's the thing. Fox, the Fox 29 Philly Twitter jockey retweeted this blindly, basically sanctioning the lack of taste that this portrayed. And that went out, you know, and so now it not only went to her followers, now it went to the official Fox 29 Philly Twitter feeds followers. And... And, and then she tried to defend herself with this thing, which has typos, and it, it's just like a nonsensical string of words. Uh, last tweet, not at all a joke. You know, obviously that's not correct. Very real-life drama was the point, as opposed to one that end on TV. That was my point. Uh, no, there was no point to what you said. The, the only point was that you were obviously were going through the withdrawal of not having Breaking Bad. You were thinking back to having Breaking Bad the previous weekend, and you thought, oh, I'll tie it into this totally unrelated shooting in Southwest Philly that had nothing to do with Breaking Bad. I, I mean, if, if she's saying it's not like TV, why did she invoke the name of a TV show to tease something that was coming up on the news? And it, it makes absolutely no sense. And it, what happened was on Twitter, this led to um, uh, Joyce Evans tweets hashtag popping up. And uh, here's here's some of them. Like uh, people were were, uh, were were trying to like one up her. So um, yeah, yeah. Like what you talking about, Willis? South Philly man has three different strokes on the way to the hospital. Dies tonight at ten. So, did you like Gone with the Wind? See footage of tornado ripping the roof off a house with family of ten inside tonight at ten. There's one that's towards the the bottom here. Uh, a fan of Home Alone? Check out this family that disappeared and left their two-year-old to die. You know? <laughs> it, it, so it, it, Twitter was, like, hysterical last night because I was reading these and just kept on laughing. Yeah, not so top chef? Tune in to Fox 29 tonight to find out how one local cook really <laughs> murdered his entire workplace. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, and, 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 you know, and, and it's it's so touching on the whole – her 
this point that she seems to think she had. I mean, I mean, there is no point in doing this. I, I mean, it, it was just tasteless. And I don't, I don't think Fox 29 or Joyce Evans has, has said anything about it. I, it's, it's really unfathomable that, you know, it, it has gotten so far, you know, and nobody is um, saying anything. Uh, at least not Fox 29 perspective. But it, it's again, I see this all the time with 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 the uh, Twitter feeds of news outlets. I don't know who they're hiring to do it, but at least have somebody with some kind of editorial sense. Don't just hire a kid to run your Twitter feed because you know they see an anchor. People, I, I have this conversation all the time when I'm discussing branding with people, and they say I don't have time to do that, so we're going to give it to a student or we're going to give it to whoever. And I'm saying that's fine if, if the student or your temp or whoever is reasonable for that task, if they understand something about social media and the, the, the disaster of virality, uh, potentially, you know. Yeah. Uh, but don't, don't do it to save money because you'll end up costing yourself a lot of I mean, the, yes, reputation probably got a lot more people viewing, but uh, – what has that done to the reputation of her, you know? Right. Well, you know, what it's done is she's gotten a a bunch more followers, you know, to really just, you know, troll her. But it's also pointed out there's like two previous incidents where she's messed up on the air, you know, dropping F-bombs. And there was something else that she did in Miami, which I haven't seen yet because I went to watch it tonight finally. And YouTube was, was having its issues, so I didn't get to see it. But uh, apparently, during Hurricane Irene coverage uh, in Camden, she was like doing this. She was like just wandering the flooded streets in Camden, and she's like, "Oh, I'm going back to my bench." And like, I love my bench. Like, she started talking about this bench, and then she dropped an f bomb, like in the middle of it. It was it was really bizarre. So yeah, it's. And that response was like, you know, are you qualified to even like know, do you know the English language, let alone are you qualified to be, you know, telling us what the news is? It, it, it It's really amazing that this goes on in today's media. And it's, it's, it's a, it's part of the problem that we have. Why, why we're so ill-informed because you know what? I, I I started going on this rant in my head today, but it's like we we suck at a lot of things these days. We suck at government, we suck at media, and we're not doing much right these days. You know, and I know we joke about how we you know our show is a train wreck, whatever. But you know what? At least we're out here. We're we're trying to further people's lives by bringing these issues to people's attention. And you know, oh, I mean, our, our professional media. The Our self-deprecation is like is is uh, lighthearted at best. I, I I appreciate what we do. Yeah, and and you know, professional media they they don't care. I mean they, they they look at social media as as unimportant. And I, there's got to be a more of a connection between news outlets, especially and their and their you know the people who run their Twitter feeds, their social media platforms, because. It's a mess. I mean, I see it all the time. I'm I'm constantly correcting uh, Twitter feeds belonging to news outlets. I, case in point, uh, 
NBC uh, Nightly News actually sent me a tweet back for correcting them. Uh, remember there was that uh, shooting in the Poconos at the municipal building? No. And I, I don't have cable, dude. Yeah, but you see the news. No, I don't. Do you have Twitter? I have Twitter, but I don't. I don't follow like the like. I don't need to be put into emergency mode over not, Like the whole industry is nonsense. If if something matters to me, I'm going to see it because one of my close friends who I trust is on Facebook and they decided to retweet it, or well, twelve of them did. Well, in my case, you know, I follow a lot of Pocono area Twitter sources because I. When I was, because uh, that's know, where your hangout is. That's where your hideout. Well, is. no, I was more. I I had clients. It's where you have a lair. No, I had a client working on a project in the Pocono area, and I was up there a lot. Uh, is there anything you want to tell us, Brian? No, I am. I'm telling you now. I was oh. up in the Poconos a lot in 2011 and 2012 for um, you know for a client's uh, project, and you know I I have you know since part of it is monitoring what the social media is saying, um, I, I, I subscribed to these, you know, Twitter feeds. And when it first broke, I could, I saw that it was in the Pocono area, but it was in this township. And I, I can't remember the name of the township right now, but anyway, there's a township in, in the Poconos and there's a, the same name uh, of a township near Pittsburgh. And I saw the first report saying that it was in the Poconos. And then also I see NBC Nightly News saying Pittsburgh area municipal building uh, or gunfire erupts in uh, Pittsburgh area municipal meeting or whatever. And I'm like, no, <laughs> this is the entire side, other side of the state, you know, north of Allentown. I mean, it's not even. Don't you think it's one of those things where somebody says, you know, where do you live? And they're like in California and you're like, I'm kind of outside Philly. Or, like, I might say, you know, I'm outside Trenton. I might not even say Trenton. I would say Princeton. Yeah, but, right. I mean, Pennsylvania is a lot. I mean, it's a seven-hour difference we're talking about. You're, you're right. But to somebody who, who has never been in Pennsylvania, they would, they would probably understand where Pittsburgh was. They might not know what the Poconos were. Yeah, but Pittsburgh, you could... Pittsburgh has a higher keyword rate. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, but you, you, could say, you could say in northeast Pennsylvania, you could say, you know, north of Philly. You know, you can you can do it a lot more accurately than Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh was totally way off. I mean, they had it in Southwest Pennsylvania when it was in Northeast Pennsylvania. So, but I mean, it it's you know it's a, again it's it's just you know, and we see it all the time. The media just messes up. But you know, there needs to be a, a stronger connection between the social media side of things and the news outlets they seem to not care about it and this is and joy seven's tweets are basically is the result of that so just want to you know go on a rant about that and uh i'll put links to uh joy seven's tweets in there because they're funny um next thing and just briefly um Nielsen is going to begin measuring Twitter chatter about TV shows to get a more accurate uh, picture of social TV, as they call it. Uh, and so in the New York Times, um, and this is uh, from October 6th, uh, 
they talk about how only uh, 98,600 people wrote messages on Twitter about the two-hour season premiere of Grey's Anatomy last month, even though 9.3 million viewers watched it, according to Nielsen. Wait a second. So, Grey's Anatomy is still in the air? Yeah. Seriously? Yep. What is it, like its 10th season? I, I don't know how. I, 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 I watched, I think, the first episode and that Code Black episode after the Super Bowl that one year. And I was like, this is this is ridiculous. I mean, there are people who loved it, but I, I thought it was off the air. I thought they had their series finale, like, years ago. <sighs> yeah, well, Big Bang Theory should be off the air. Should have never made it to air, but, you know, that's like the biggest show on, in the world. Uh, I don't get it. Uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, Nielsen is now measuring what it calls the unique audience. The whole, the whole point of that show is there's a character, Dr. Sheldon Cooper. This is funny. Yeah. So you, I imagine you understand the appeal of it, honestly. I I don't, but I, because every time I try to watch it, I I understand, you know, the geek factor. But I I watch it and nothing is funny. Nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. It, it it's. I, I try watching it for like five minutes and I can't because I, I I this laugh track is is going nuts. They have these, a live audience. Whatever. It, it's just it's just terrible. It, it's absolutely terrible. Nothing is funny and everybody's laughing. It's it's like Dane Cook all over again. Uh, anyway, uh, so any, going back to Nielsen measuring uh, Twitter chatter, uh, they're now measuring what it calls the unique audience for Twitter, uh, for Twitter posts about television, providing a more complete view of the phenomenon known as social TV. On Monday, the company is introducing Nielsen Twitter TV ratings, a product announced last year that professes to measure all the activity and reach of Twitter conversation about shows, even if it has yet to be embraced by television executives and gain a broad client base. So it'll be interesting to see how that happens. Obviously, there's you know no data about it yet, but, you know, uh, it would be interesting. They say during the week of September 23rd, for example, the finale of AMC's Breaking Bad ranked number one in the Twitter TV ratings with 1.2 million posts. That reached 9.3 million Twitter accounts, according to Nielsen. So. It's interesting. They're trying to do different things, which is essential. I mean, Nielsen's not going to know what I'm watching. Right, and I think it's going to help buy time for shows that maybe aren't rating successes, but are, you know, our favorites of, of yeah, the Twitterverse. Yeah, like Community, you know, is, is one. I mean, it's extraordinarily popular on Twitter and social media, but nobody watches it. And now last season, I didn't watch it because it was terrible because they, they kicked Dan Harmon, uh, you know, off his own show, and but now he's, he's back, so I'm Whenever they do bring Community back, I, I'll... Is Chevy Chase still on that show? No, he left. He left. Uh, he left last season. And actually, uh, Donald Glover is only going to, going to appear in five episodes. Uh, That's plenty of Danny Glover, though. Not Danny Glover. Donald Glover. Same difference. Yeah, except a lot younger and funnier. But... Um, 
So uh, that's about the the Twitter ratings. And finally, um, I want to talk about uh, STEM to STEAM. Love this story. Uh, yeah, I saw it in uh, US One. I picked up a copy of US One, and I it, it stinks because last week was when my like especially Wednesday when this uh, when um, now I can't remember his name, the president of Rhode Island School of Design. Uh, um, yeah, um, John Maida. Yeah, John Maida. There we go. Um, he spoke at Princeton. And I didn't see the U.S. one story until later, but I wouldn't have been able to go because I was just I was in a lot of pain that day, especially. But um, so yeah, the, Rista is 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 uh, championing this movement of putting art and design in the middle of STEM, in science, technology, engineering, and math, and uh, you know making it STEAM, S-T-E-A-M. Um, and what it uh, says here, and this is uh, from a guest blog post that um, John Maida uh, wrote for Scientific American. Uh, he writes, artists and scientists tend to approach problems with a similar open-mindedness and inquisitiveness. They both do not fear the unknown, preferring leaps to incremental steps. They make natural partners, with such complementary thinking, there is a great potential when they collaborate from the offset, resulting in unexpected outcomes that can be exponentially more valuable than when they work apart. You can see the power of collaboration between artists and scientists in the decades of advancement in computer graphics at SIGGRAPH, which is a uh, computer animation uh, expo, which I went to in 19, 1999 in Los Angeles. In the latest exhibitions at the Science Gallery in Dublin, or in the midst of groundbreaking scientific results with the Large Hadron Collider. You know, you, you just broke with a quote with your commentary. Yeah, I know. I did that. Sorry. Live webcasting. Sorry. I interjected a personal. You uh, interjected sorry. a personal in the middle of a word-for-word -word quote. Yes, I know. I know. Okay. After, after my rant about the media. Yeah, I'm, not it's, it's just, I'm, not, I'm not professional media. <laughs> uh, but he's also uh, talked about Steve Jobs as an inspirational figure in the world of STEAM, uh, someone who had technology and business acumen, but also knew a bit about design and how important it was to incorporate that aspect into Apple's products. So, uh, I mean, that the entire concept of STEAM is, is really – you know, at the heart of what we set out to do with technology and the arts and seeing the interconnection between art and the various fields of art and science and technology. And, you know, I, I, I'm really uh, looking forward to following uh, what the Rhode Island School of Design is doing and um, hopefully, you know, bringing more of of their of this STEM to STEAM movement into our uh, discussions as we uh, proceed with this show. Agreed. And uh, yeah, hopefully, maybe that's another uh, possible guest down the road. 
Oh, yeah? Well, who knows? You can try. That's true. Steve so, Jobs is dead, though. What was that? I said Steve Jobs is dead. Not Steve Jobs. Oh, John Maeda. Or somebody from RISD. All right, somebody from RISD. I know a few people at RISD. Um, or even SIGGRAPH. Well, let's go to SIGGRAPH. We'll do a live show. That was fun. That was uh, back in the days when uh, my friend uh, Jason, we were trying to start our... Oh, I remember our, Jason. We were trying to start his computer company. Yeah. And uh, we had a uh, booth at the startup park for... Uh, not a booth, but like a, a, a stand at the startup park um, at SIGGRAPH 99 in Los Angeles. And... Uh, he actually made these boxes running uh, the B operating system. Oh, right. And uh, they were, you know, it's funny that the people from B came over and uh, they had one of our machines running at their booth. And we had some, uh, I had designed these uh, fact sheets, uh, product sheets, and uh, press releases. And I had some, we had some documents over uh, at their booth and you know the people from b would come over and they were like man you know that machine you made is like really awesome you know it, it it's it's nice to see somebody who is like designing a box you know specifically for our uh our operating system and and and, and exploiting you know all the benefits it has and, and he, he put in a lot of like extras in there like am fm tuner and uh you know a cable in port like he, he wanted to make it as as easy as possible to utilize the the multimedia uh, aspects of, of the b operating system and the multitasking of the b operating system and you know as much as support we got from the, the hands-on people you know they just didn't you know we didn't get any support from from b and obviously the reason why is because they were you know they didn't make it not their own uh, you know on their own terms but it was fun while it lasted it was cool to be there and uh you know uh you know try to uh make that happen yeah but, uh, that was a fun time anyway um all right well anything else you want to talk about no i think we're good um this was a good penultimate episode yeah well hopefully uh the last episode hopefully our finale is uh just as good or better it would, it would it would stink to go out on a bad note yeah it would so maybe maybe my tooth will fall out during that one. Oh, that would be horrible <laughs> so all right well i guess that concludes this episode of technology in the arts uh, hopefully you will uh, join us again next week when we return for the finale. I want to thank you for watching and remember to visit us at technologyinthearts.com. Uh, visit our Facebook page or our Google Plus page. You can follow us on Twitter at tech underscore arts. Watch us at our YouTube channel. Please subscribe. Yes. Or search for us on your favorite podcatcher. So again, Hopefully you'll join us for our finale next week. Until then, this is Brian Kelly. And this is John Lamesty. Take care.
The thoughts and views expressed by the hosts of Technology and the Arts do not necessarily represent those of guests of the program. Conversely, the thoughts and views expressed by guests of Technology and the Arts do not necessarily represent those of the hosts. For more information about the podcast you have just heard, please visit Technology and the Arts on the web at technologyandthearts.com.